But what you're not looking at doing here is sort of, you know, being introduced to your next best friend. Um, you're not looking at developing a really, you know, a long-term relationship. Um, so I think coaching uh, is, is very clearly, very clearly defined. Thank you for joining me today. This is Joseph Grech, coach, trainer, and founder of Become Coaching and Training. And today I'm your host on this podcast. On this first podcast, I have the pleasure of being in the company of Sharon Halliday, a coach, trainer, and HR consultant. She has years of experience working with individuals and groups, supporting them in achieving their goals, both in the UK and abroad. She does this through her own HR and L&D consultancy, People and Design, and I'm looking forward to finding out a little bit more about what she thinks about the coaching relationship, which is our topic today. In this very first podcast, we are going to be focusing on what the research says is the most important indicator of success for coaching. And that is the relationship between the coach and the coachee themselves. Some people call this the coaching alliance. Um, and I'm keen to discuss with Sharon what she thinks about what makes an effective coaching relationship. But also for me, as a coach trainer in particular, some of those ethical factors that professional coaches need to consider in their practice. So thank you so much, Sharon, for being with me today on the very first episode of this podcast series. How are you doing, Sharon? Very exciting. <laughs> so what do you think, Sharon? Shall we just jump in um, and go and go straight into our podcast today? So um, I'm thinking, first of all, I mean, for me, coaching relationships are a thing of wonder. I mean, well, what do you they, think, aren't they? They really are. I mean, it's like I said right at the beginning, I, I'm sort of quite passionate about uh, coaching as a as a methodology. So, so hopefully that will come through in, in what we're talking about today. Mm. Um, but it it is really interesting what you talk about that that, that, that this whole uh, relationship between the coach and the client and yeah. you know to what extent does that really you know correlate with the success of coaching and I've got I've kind of got a bit of a mixed view on all of that really other coaches and also clients sometimes get a bit mixed up about you know what relationship they really want with their coach is it they want coaching or actually is something like mentoring more suited yeah. to, to what they're looking for yeah, and I fully agree with that comment, Sharon. And um, in my in my latest blog post as well, I talk about perhaps some of the issues in terms of uh, these type of relationships where the coachee doesn't necessarily know what they want, but mm. also from the coach's point of view, perhaps they they haven't really done their due diligence. And mm. There could be that shift of accountability, perhaps having quite long-term relationships with a coachee, and does that become a friendship or mentoring? Um, and also for me, something that sits quite uncomfortable is that I feel that if we have long-term relationships with our coachees, they somehow become dependent on us. They start doing things because of that relationship rather than for themselves. What do you think? I think, I think you're absolutely right. And of course, that's when you get the coach 
taking on this role of providing advice. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it might be a good, you know, starting point for us just to clarify what the difference is between the different roles, because we've mm. got we've got the role of the coach, um, which I see as you know very forward thinking, um, you know, a, 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 a very um, a very positive approach, looking yeah. forward and helping the coachee or the client make um, decide on what sort of short term changes or what long term changes, what changes mm. they want to make. Whereas mentoring um, is a completely different methodology, and that's where you get more you get you, you get more longer term relationships, and you get people seeking advice and asking the mentor questions like what would you do or what would you recommend and of course I think those strategies are definitely ones that you completely avoid yeah. in, in coaching um, because then you get to the situation where the coach is telling the client mm. what they would do yeah yeah certainly and um, sorry to interrupt there Sharon it just reminds me a lot of that transaction analysis framework where the coach might take more of a parent approach in this relationship, which leaves the coachee um, within that child ego state. I mean, what do you think about that? I as think well? you're right. That's really dangerous when the coach starts to act like, you know, that the head teacher or, or the parent or the senior senior manager. Um, you know, really the, what, what you're looking for in a very positive coaching relationship is this this equal partnership yeah. so the two of you are in it together and you both have um, responsibilities um, and you know you have to both be committed to the process and both understand exactly what the process is you know it is about because mm. after all coaching is not for everybody it's interesting here Sharon that you talk about a partnership as well because that's um, I mean we are both ICF trained um, coaches and um, that's actually part of the definition of an ICF coach we partner with individuals and and for me if uh, how, how I feel about this is that it raises an ethical consideration that we need to think about. If there isn't this partnership, then is there an imbalance of power in a way where perhaps um, one party feels or acts more powerful than the other? Do you see what I mean? Absolutely. That whole dependency or, you know, almost like a comfort, <laughs> comfort <laughs> blanket, people feeling that they can't make decisions or they can't operate without consulting their coach yeah. um and you know what would, what would my coach do and, and and you know i can't move forward unless i know what my you know that that's all real negative coaching yeah. behavior and it doesn't lead to that um real sort of motivating change um it, it and, and what happens is sometimes often people want to do things the client want to do things to please the coach indeed and they start doing things for the relationship rather than for the coaching uh for their own coaching so um i'm thinking how how do you handle this in your own coaching practice so things like check-ins and you know quite a lot of coaches talk about giving homework what's your what's your thinking around it uh well i have I mean, what I try to do is I try to have a sort of flexible approach, which is geared up to, to, to the individual that I'm working with. So if somebody specifically 
asks me, uh, have I got any information on, on a particular subject that we're talking about? And I have, I will, I will send it to them or I'll give them the resource to, 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 um, to, to look it up for themselves. Right. Yeah. I think I, I do, tr generally, I do try to, to avoid the check-ins because I do feel it goes back to this teacher-student relationship. You know, have, have you done your homework this week? Um, and, and, and I think for a coaching relationship, which is this equal adult adult relationship um it can it, 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 it can move it into something else so like we said earlier the client says oh yeah i've done my homework or you know um uh yeah call me at four o'clock and i'll tell you what and they put yeah. and there's, yeah. there's the wrong to, there's a pressure that's put on the client um which has come from somewhere else so yeah. i think any 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 pressure or challenge should come intrinsically from the client and not from the coach. And that's another great point, Sharon, that I feel we're touching upon here. This idea that uh, when we have great coaching relationships that are truly based on this partnership where the individual um, is driving change, is actually uh, focusing on what they want to do rather than doing it for the sake of the relationship or of the coach, it changes that internal intrinsic motivation i mean in psychology we call that the locus of control in a way we uh, we we have more of a stronger internal locus of control that way which some would argue is a uh, is a good thing to develop in coaches. I like to think about this from um, the point of view of uh, you know the smoking example. If you if if you have somebody who's smoking, for example, they the chances of them quitting are a lot higher if they're doing it for an intrinsically motivating reason. Let's say for their own health uh, versus for an external motivator. I don't know. Um, perhaps I'm um, saving money even or pleasing somebody else. Yeah, exactly. And, and again, you know, the language that a coach uses in these situations all contributes to, to you know, to, to, to that very point. So, you know, it's vital that a coach avoids um, language like, you know, if I were you or yeah. you should or, yeah. you know, uh, if that's quite interesting. I was working with somebody um, recently and she described herself as a coach. And she said, uh, yeah, she said, all the people I've worked with, I tell them these are the top three, three <laughs> things they should do. Mm. And I'm thinking that is not coaching. Yeah, yeah. Um, that is did, not coaching. How did you handle that situation? It'd be interesting to, to kind of find out. Did you say well, anything to her? Well, yeah, it was interesting because I did talk about it and talk about my different approach to coaching. And she said, and her view was, well, you know, that's what my clients want. Right. So I, I, I think, you know, it, I see that very much as mentoring. She saw that as coaching. Her clients were happy with what she was doing. So, you know, that's, that's, that's her prerogative. That's certainly, that's certainly not the way that, that, that I've been trained and that I believe brings the most success. Well, that's certainly uh, an interesting topic for us to perhaps to pause on a little bit because um, it, it is a dilemma that I find a lot of coaches, particularly new coaches as well, um, that they face that um, 
that, you know, we want to be helpful for our coaches. And perhaps if our coaches want us to tell them what to do, why shouldn't we be doing it? Um, and, and personally, I mean, I don't know what you think, Sharon, but for me, I feel that it can be very dangerous getting into that territory where we tell somebody what to do, particularly uh, in coaching relationships. Of course, if we're supporting somebody through knowledge um, and there's only one way how something um, is done, perhaps, um, yes, that's fine, but then I wouldn't be calling that relationship a coaching relationship. As you alluded before earlier, Sharon, I would say that perhaps is more mentoring or teaching or training, um, something around uh, that that capacity. But for me, great coaching is about supporting somebody explore themselves, understand what behaviours perhaps they want to keep on doing, what they want to change. And I, I believe it can be really dangerous if we start advising other people um, what to do in, in terms of these situations. I feel that because I've gone through something, it doesn't mean that my solution or my way of handling a situation is the best approach or is certainly it certainly might have been um, a good approach for me but it doesn't mean that when we apply that to you uh, it's going to have the same effect and I normally explore this with the clients as well particularly for those clients that say to me oh well you know what what should I do what do you think what's your advice what's your suggestion I mean actually thinking about that Sharon um how do you handle that situation you know when a client says to you what should I do well I think I I, I think with those sorts of questions I always back them back with good coaching questions so you know what what would you like to do what would make this situation different for you mm. um to help them really explore the options um and i think you know so for some people you know again this goes back to whether coaching is for everybody for some people that that challenge is very very empowering and it really helps them to open up their thinking and you know they're starting with a blank sheet of paper and, and, and really working things out for themselves for other people they, they just really want the answers and the danger with giving the answers is that it might not work for them right you know so going back to the smoking example you, you stated there you know yes you must give up smoking because it's bad for your health we all know that but their, their, their success rate in giving up smoking won't you know be attributed to what I think or what all those facts it has to come intrinsically from them yeah. um, but, but 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 going back to what you were saying about the, the whole thing of, of, of contracting I think this is really quite important really good sort of coaching best practice right at the beginning before you you, you know even start coaching with, with with your client is really talking through um, what the process is, talking through how it works, um, and also keeping it in the short term. So, for example, I always, with new clients, I always say, you know, we'll work on average between sort of four to six sessions. Right, okay. And, and that will be the coaching period. And, and, and that coaching period, you know, may cover sort of roughly about three or four months. Um, and, and we and you know timing so the whole contractual thing about the process and how it will work is really quite important so my coaching sessions for example um, are usually between sort of 40 and 45 minutes mm -hmm. so keep them short sharp very focused on the issue 
um, and then in, in you know within a short period of time and that again avoids this dependency and this you know moving into a, you know a longer term relationship um, which can then pull you into different you know pull you away from the specific issue that the client yeah. wanted to work on you beautifully summarize why it's so important to contract with the client because absolutely particularly yeah. in organizational settings some clients might not be able to give you more than 45 minutes yeah so you yeah. don't want to spend half an hour of that kind of recontracting things and um, yeah. trying to deflect non-coaching activities if you've yeah. contracted skillfully and also um yeah and i also think it's about you know being really open and and not having any sort of false expectations about what you know what, what coaching is and what coaching yeah. isn't and, and 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 i think you know going back to how the two people are going to work together in this partnership the coach and the coachee um it's also about a commitment to each other that there is going to be this equal partnership. So the coachee is really committed to wanting to make some kind of change. Mm. Uh, what, whatever change it is, it's up to them. But that's their commitment that they yes. really are coming to this with an open mind, a positive open mind, and they want to make the change and exploring how to do it in the best way for them. You are listening to Become Coaching and Training Podcast. This is your host, Joseph Grech, and I'm in conversation with Sharon Halliday. We're talking all things coaching, particularly focusing on the coaching relationship. Well, I hope it's okay here, Sharon, if I put you a little bit on the spot. Um, and perhaps going back to something that we talked about earlier, the whole, you know, checking in and homework, and you mentioned that it's not something that you... Uh, really favor um but i'm thinking from a contracting point of view as well um how do you work with your coaches outside of those sessions so for example some coaches will have sessions with their coaches or rather will allow questions between sessions um is that something that you that you do so you know what if coaches email you in between the sessions how do you handle that well, my, my preference is to, is, is so, so again, when you're setting up as a coach, you have to think about your practice and how you want to, and how you want to operate. So my coaching practice is, is between office hours. So I provide my coaching, you know, generally um, bet between sort of nine to five hours. Um, so, so that's just something that I, you know, that's, that's a boundary that I put, out there so if people are looking for evening coaching sessions then you know I wouldn't be the right person yeah. they'd have to find yeah. somebody that provides that service yeah. so I think as a coach you have to very you know you have to have to really work out what kind of service you want to offer and what your boundaries are and what you're coming um, out for them as a package in a way yeah it's a one session one off it, session yeah so I mean I you know there's some flexibility around that so if somebody wants to start half an hour early or, or, or what have you we do that yeah. Um, and we, all, we always map in the, you know, the four to six sessions, we always map them up front as well. Mm. And, and I also discuss things like timing, you know, time management is very important and it's part of that trust relationship yeah. between each other. So I will always be there on time as a coach and I would expect yeah. the client to be there on time. Yeah. And that actually brings us to something else that we haven't really talked about today. And that's, um, 
linking in with time management, that's cancellations and how do we work with cancellations of coaching programs, um, somebody wants to postpone, uh, be interesting to hear your thoughts and um, I mean from my own point of view I find that uh, I, well, I've got a 48 hour um, cancellation policy so um, I'd need to know 48 hours before but I also take it on a case by case basis really um, to you know to work with cancellations um, certainly if, I, if I'm in the session and I'm or I'm waiting for somebody to, to, to turn up I would consider that a session taken or if somebody calls you you know first thing in the morning um, and that they're not going to attend I would consider that taken um, how about you? Yeah it, I mean it's, it's very similar um, because you know I like to be flexible you know life is life and things happen um so if, if somebody has to cancel a session at, at the very last minute for something that's cropped up and i'm usually flexible in rearranging that if there is a pattern that emerges with that then we then we discuss it and um you know maybe we talk about you know i refer to the cancellation fees that's in the contract um, but I, so I like to have some kind of discretion, um, but also that it's very clear, you know, what, 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 what the boundaries are on those things. Again, the adult to adult relationship. Yeah, I think so. And, and also, you know, I, I always say in, I call it the introductory session at the beginning. Some coaches call it an intake session. Okay. You have a chat with this about the service and how it works and all the process and, and how it works. I think also as a coach, you have a responsibility to say when it's not working and to empower your client for them to also say when it's not working. Mm. Um, and to feel comfortable actually telling you that and you take it's quite a big yeah, thing as well. Absolutely. So at the end of each session, I always um have you know a, a little bit of a debrief so ask the client how they felt the session went what you know what specifically they found useful um and if there's anything that they want to you know any any specific points that they want to carry over for the next time so so we have this debrief about what they get out of it and i also ask them for some feedback on, do you do on how every... i work during every session essentially i do i do yeah we, we have a little wrap up at the end and the, that that wrap up is longer after the sort of core of you know maybe five or six sessions yes um but after each session we do have a you know and, and actually that does help both mm. the coach and the coachee to realize that you know we're moving towards the end of the session yeah. so it, it it kind of gives its you know it helps with the, mm. the time management and the framework yeah yeah I, I i definitely hear you there sharon um another swiftly moving on to a different point there um i think it's also important to consider some of the other effects of having long-term relationships with our coachee and one particularly for me is this idea that Perhaps if you find yourself in a long-term relationship with a client, it's to ask, you know, from an ethical point of view, whether a different professional would be more suited to support that person. I'm thinking more specifically, for example, counselling or, or therapy in a way. Um, what do you think about that, Sharon? Well, I, I absolutely agree. And I, and I think 
the coach, you know, again, the focus is always on moving forward. It's positive and it's moving forward. So I think if you're working with a client and they keep wanting to look back, they keep wanting to refer back to something that's happened, a situation or um, feelings that that's brought out in them, then I think it, it's really the role, you know, it's an ethical role of the coach sure. to, to say, look, this isn't what coaching's about. I mean, it's also not the role of the coach to say, you know, you need therapy. Of course, I think that's that's a very very clear point. Fair. Yeah, it's a very clear point to make as well. Yeah. But like so I think it, it's about saying look, this isn't what coaching is about. Yeah. Um and then you know letting them I just you know being very open and honest about it. The worst thing, the most unethical thing a coach can do is start to go back into you know, try to explore that. You know, you're not trained to do that. Yes. It's unethical and yeah. you're breaking all best practices. Um, and it's really harming the client for me. I think if you keep absolute, on doing that, yeah. you know, it's harming the client. You're taking their money and it's not, um, it's not particularly helpful. I was actually speaking to a potential coachee and she was talking how as a result of their relationship, the, the coach took her to places that, that he was inevitably not very suited and he didn't know what to do. And mm. when the coaching sessions finished, mm. her words were, I was devastated. Oh, because, wow. And you can see the impact that something like yeah. that could have yeah. on an individual. Yeah. That is very, yeah, very dangerous territory. So, you know, it is that the coach has a huge responsibility. In fact, you know, again, as part of my intake process, I've, I've got, I've sort of listed some ethical um, considerations on, on, on how I work and um, you know talk about respect integrity fairness equality um, and, and, and things that are good and bad practice and, it, and, and I, I go back to, I go through that at the beginning and then if I feel that I'm you know the client is moving towards those sort of uncharted waters then I'll, I'll bring them back to that first discussion and say, you know, we discussed this and this is not what coaching's about. So Sharon, if we go back to what we originally started our discussion about, which is this idea that um, according to the research out there, what we see is that the, 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 the single most important uh, indicator of success for coaching is the relationship itself and how perhaps how strong that is and the alliance between the coach and the coachee. Um, let's kind of go back to that um, towards the end of our podcast today. What do you think? What's your final thoughts around this perhaps? I go back to what I said at the, at the beginning. I, I think, you know, a solid partnership built on, you know, respect and trust is really important. But what you're not looking at doing here is sort of, you know, being introduced to your next best friend. Um, you're not looking at developing a really, you know, a long-term relationship. Um, so I think coaching uh, is, is very clearly, very clearly defined. I mean, a lot of my coaching is done on, on is done via the telephone or, or done via Zoom or Skype or what have you. Mm, and I might, popular as well. Yeah, and, and, and that suits people. Yeah. But, but sometimes what that means is I don't actually get to, to, to meet the people. I don't actually get to see the people yeah. sometimes. It's, it, you know, it's in, entirely up, up to the client. So I think that, um, yes, a good relationship built on coaching principles is 
absolutely, um, absolutely key. But this is not about building up a long-term relationship, a mentoring relationship. And thank you so much, Sharon, for actually mentioning remote coaching because it's something that's becoming really popular. And it's one of the topics that we have for um, a future podcast episode as well. So stay tuned for that one. I also, you know, as we're reaching towards the end of the podcast, Sharon, I want to thank you so much for being um, so open with us in terms of your own coaching practice as well. And I'm going to be a little bit cheeky here. And I'm just wondering if you uh, could give us perhaps one final golden nugget from you. Oh, a final golden nugget. Well, could I be as bold as to suggest two? I think... Mm, you may. Um, <laughs> I think, I think, I think one of them for the coach... Um, well, actually, I think both of these are relevant to, to, to being a, a coach. The first one is being authentic and be yourself and use your own style. You're, you know, develop confidence in your own coaching style. Mm -hmm. and, and I think your authenticity comes across. And that, again, that goes back to, you know, the, the contributing to a really solid partnership with lots of rapport. So, so be authentic. Um, I think the other one is to, Never forget that it's it's your client's life and it's their future and it's not yours. Yes, and they're their person. They're actually it's not a job. Yeah. Somebody's you know, somebody's life is in front of you. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think you know always go with the solutions and the options and and go with their flow because you know it's definitely about them and it's not about you. And I think a lot of coaches forget that. And what's such a nice way to end the podcast today, Sharon, thank you for raising that. Um, this idea that we're working with people, their dreams, their aspirations, their hopes, and it's really important to value that and respect it. So thank you, Sharon, so much for today. It's been such a, such a rich and useful discussion. And I'm sure our listeners, coaches, and those interested in coaching have a lot of food for thought now. So Sharon, once again, thank you so much. You have been listening to Coaching in Focus, a podcast by Become Coaching and Training and hosted by Joseph Greck. If you have enjoyed this podcast, we would be super, super grateful if you could rate it on any platforms that you use to listen to your podcasts. And please feel free to share it with your colleagues, friends or family who you think might enjoy it. So until next time, take care and stay safe.